It's time for two blokes talking tech. I just think technology is awesome. Good advice for anyone who is looking for a laptop. For the latest news and information about technology. Now that, that's the guy. <laughs> it's so hard to take a bad photo now with these cameras. I think that stuff is just brilliant. It is something that people really need to look at. Two blokes talking tech. Haven't we got the best jobs in the world? We have. <laughs> we absolutely have the best job. With Trevor Long from yourtechlife.com. I love talking technology. And Stephen Fennick from techguide.com.au. Do you really need a 10 megapixel camera to take those images? I'd say not. Two blokes talking tech. Embrace those little ideas there. Have a look around and, and ask questions. This is Two Blokes Talking Tech. And welcome to Two Blokes Talking Tech, episode 10. Uh, I'm Trevor Long and with me, Stephen Fennick. G'day, mate. Hello, Trevor. We've, we've hit double figures, mate. We should have a party. What do you reckon? I think so. I'd agree. Yeah, let's do it. We'll invite everyone around. Thanks to uh, the good people at Netgear, uh, connecting with innovation, networking products, home networking, business networking, doesn't matter what it is, routers, Wi-Fi, you can check it out, netgear.com.au. A whole stack to talk about today will be dominated by the Sony PlayStation Network hacking. Let's get underway. Two Blokes Talking Tech. You're listening to Two Blokes Talking Tech with Trevor Long and Stephen Fennig. Mate, we can't feature anything this week other than the most important story from on so many levels today and this or over the last week is this Sony PlayStation Network hacking. It's it's unbelievable. Absolutely. It's unprecedented. It is. Uh, I've been following this story for nearly a week now, and uh, I've been personally affected, I've got to say, Trevor, because I'm an oh. avid PlayStation Network user. I play Call of Duty a fair bit online, and not having that uh, this week has been, uh, been pretty ordinary. And I've got to say, the timing hasn't been very good. The Easter long weekend, wet weather, mm. everything, all the ingredients were there for millions of people to jump online and play their favourite games, and uh, unfortunately, they weren't able to. So we'll break it down. Essentially, at the, at the end of last week, it went offline, and you know, people thought it was down or whatever it was and then it became clear that there was rumours that had been hacked and then it became clear it had been hacked and, and today Sony put out a very clear statement that they had their network had been compromised but not only that that after a few days in fact they realised that the people who'd compromised their network had in fact obtained data from the network and we're talking name, address, date of birth, password, secret password question, guaranteed all those things are gone and un- not guaranteed, but you know, still there's a possibility your credit card details. This is this is probably it the is biggest bad. security issue ever to affect individuals in the world. I think it's massive, and you just just to, just to get your head around this, Trevor, seventy five million users. That's more than three times the Australian population. So mm. that's a lot of people, and they've said that as you mentioned, the credit card information. They think they they they're not ruling it out, but they've warned us. You know, there's no evidence to say that there has been compromised, but they've warned people, check your accounts. Uh, you know, this this is a very this is an embarrassment for Sony. Mm. It was only a couple of months ago where they launched uh, their Music Unlimited service, their mm. Curiosity, Curiosity service, which is on the built on the back of this PlayStation network. So it's also that unavailable. That is also offline. Mm. So if you've paid your money to have this service, you don't have it anymore. PlayStation Network is a free service. I have to add, if you're just playing games, but. The music uh, unlimited is not so. There's a there's a lot of things that are going to come out of this. Uh, it's the way they've handled it. I think hasn't been hasn't been all up front. I, I, I hate to say, Trevor, no. they've, they've they delayed it. Uh, there, there was there was rumours of a hack. They called it an external intrusion. Yeah. They left it. I think uh, as long as possible before they actually had to come up. You know, they had to come clean and admit that there's been a, a hack uh, and all this information has been compromised. Now, here's the thing. I, I, to put this in, I don't think. I've I've done more radio interviews in one day than I have today. And the the question I got asked most was, how many people in Australia? And so I put this to Sony, and, and, and it wasn't
wasn't until the end of the day, and Steve, you, you might want to, I don't know if you've seen this or heard this, but you might want to update your, uh, your techguide.com.au story, because uh, I haven't seen it reported, but I was able to obtain numbers that say that there are 1.1 million PlayStation 3 users in Australia, and uh-huh. 65% of them are on the PlayStation network, which means 715,000 people in Australia are potentially affected by this hack, which is oh, massive. That is, It is huge. You know, it that is, is a lot of people. Yeah, well, it just, I think the people over it, like, there's always been this rivalry between PlayStation Network and Xbox Live. Now, oh, yeah. it's a kind of like, you relate to this, it's a, it's either you're a Ford man or a Holden man. Yep. In the gaming world, you're either a PlayStation man or woman or an Xbox user. Yep. Now, Xbox Live must be laughing their heads off because they've they've got A, more users, and B, their system is impregnable. Well, uh, impregnable, point, is it? Now, yeah, this is the point. And, and this is, I mean, there's... there's there's so many questions here. The the how does this happen? How does it how is it able to happen? You know, what sort of protection did they think they had? Because you can't tell me they didn't think they were impenetrable. Um they they would have thought they they had themselves covered, but this is going to cost them millions in terms of repair, millions in ter- terms of uh, responsibility. They're going to have to give away cur- curiosity or whatever it's bloody called for some <laughs> months. Um, I think so. Th- this is this is a huge implication on I think on e-commerce too. I don't want to be be a conspiracy yeah. theorist, but you know people will have a, a massive lack of trust in online networks because they'll be worrying Absolutely. where is the information stored and you don't blame them, Trevor. After this, you don't no. blame them either. Like Sony, Sony's a major company. This is a major company we're talking about. We're not talking about some minor company. This is a huge company, and they've had to actually call in an external security company to sort out this mess. Mm. And the latest information I've heard is that it's probably going to be down for another week. I'm hearing so, and that is this, this is far from over. This is this is a big problem for Sony, um, you know, financially, but also just general reputation wise. I mean, I don't think it's going to ruin the, the company. Don't, don't get me wrong. I just think that the the implications here for cloud computing, cloud networking, there are companies moving to the cloud at an astonishing rate. Absolutely, And yes. if that question... I've been in boardrooms where that question is asked and, you know, there's issues around the Patriot Act in America and where the data is stored and what the government can access. This is now going to be the next question is, well, is it secure? Can it be hacked? And who can answer that question with any ferocity? Well, and now Sony up until a week ago thought that they were they were okay, they were cruising okay, but this is a serious blemish on, on their reputation. And uh, like you said, the, the the cloud computing model is something that everyone's talking about. I know Microsoft are pushing that barrow very hard oh, yeah. with uh, through Windows Seven. Uh, you know, is is this? Does this put a, a cloud on the cloud? Like, and, what, what are we going to do? Mate, I think one, the crucial thing for me at this point is to say to everyone listening, uh, this is serious, and don't don't underestimate that. But also, if you're not a person... So I'm unlike you, Stephen. I don't use it on a daily basis. I just notice when I turn on Gran Turismo 5, it connects to the PlayStation Network. I don't even know what that means. Um, but I know it doesn't have my credit card, so I'm I'm good in that regard. But It's got mine. Be, but, <laughs> I'm a bit worried. But you know what, mate? I, I think that the identity theft threat for 700,000 Australians is greater than the credit card threat because credit cards, unfortunately for banks, um, are very hard things to to authorise without the user's intervention. So um, you'll get your money back. We all know that with credit cards and the way they're, they're misused. But if someone has your birth date and your address and your secret password question, which we all know applies across all of our accounts. We're not all smart enough and to remember 10, 10 passwords, so we all keep the same one. We're all stupid like that. 
but this is a threat that we're all under now. So everyone needs to now take some time to change their password on their email and their Facebook and their banking. Absolutely. You, need, think, to, yeah. you need to monitor your credit card statement or, or online banking daily now, just for a little while until we find out the full extent. Well, these hackers, they've hit the mother load. Literally hit the mother load. It's kind of information that they're probably now selling on the black market. There is is a black market of information that many people may not be aware about that this information can actually be sold and 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 for quite a lot of money. The government... This info is... They've already warned people to beware of phishing, scams, spam, uh, and other other identity theft issues. We've really got to be vigilant now. And unfortunately, there was already pressure out there for us to do that. Now that this has happened, that pressure's just increased tenfold. And and let's remember, as Symantec have told me many times and you, the the value of the cybercrime market is now higher than the global drugs trade. And this single incident alone will push it miles above where it was recently. So everyone needs to take some time, sit back and go, how am I affected? And start protecting yourself. This is a, this is a big deal. Well, Trevor, let's uh, let's move the tone to a lighter subject uh, now. And, that was very uh, unlike talk- us. <laughs> well, the technology is generally viewed uh, by many people uh, to be a real sort of boys' club, a male-dominated and- thing. Technology. People think the geeks are all men, and that people who are all early adopters are all uh, predominantly men. That's right. Well, I've come across a a survey, a recent Nielsen survey that was presented at the International Women's Media Foundation uh, Mm -hmm. not long ago, has actually shattered the myth that it's uh, only toys for boys and that technology uh, is embraced just as feverishly as it is by the female customer as it is the male. What sort of numbers are they saying, though? I mean, how how prolific? Well, the, what what they're saying is the general usage of technology is different. Like, just let's put it this way: that the amount of women who use mobile phones is just as great as the number of men who use phones. But in this example, the women tend to send more texts, make more calls, and use the phone in that manner, whereas the men tend to use more of the features, say mm. like the the GPS, their access their email, yeah. uh, and look at the internet on their phones. But one interesting thing. The U.S. women aged between 18 to 34, the, the survey revealed, mm. were just as likely to go out and buy the latest HD TV as men aged 35 and above, which I found quite surprising. Yeah, I think it is. But, I mean, you know, uh, I mean, surveys, how many people do they say they surveyed? Uh, they didn't give that information, ah. but uh, it, it'd be a fair, fair study group. Yeah. But uh, you know, you were talking Nielsen, who uh, who who do a lot of these surveys, and uh, I, I think it, it, you know, the the. The the type of products too that 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 women favour, like you 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 look at for example the digital camera space. Yep. Now, I don't know about your household, but in my household, my wife tends to be the record keeper. She takes all the photos and yep. likes to shoot a lot of video, and I think that that's a pretty common thing across the board. So just in that one category, women dominate. It also surprisingly too, there's a lot of women who like to play computer games, and, and the survey found that the Nintendo Wii was the most popular console among women, while men 
oh, tend to I don't stick doubt to the that Xbox 360. At all. I think the Wii really hit it, hit its mark with, with the female market. And it sounds all very sexist, what we're saying, but I, I guess it's generalizations. And, and, you know, email us, uh, twoblokestalkingtech.com. Send us an email. Let us know. But, you know, I think when I look at the Wii, I look at, you know, the Wii Fit and those sort of uh, applications yeah. that really went, made, made women, uh, and, you know, girls see a benefit to this device that was more than just playing games. And also, frankly, the Wii games are just a lot more fun. Yeah, um, a lot and more not social a serious. too. Yeah. A more social and I a family think, event rather than just a hardcore gaming experience. Yeah, and I think Xbox Connect ha- has helped um, broaden that that market for Microsoft too. So really interesting stuff, and, and I, I think it's probably all got absolute merit, mate. Absolutely, and with Mother's Day around the corner, you know that it might be a good idea to buy a gadget instead of heading out to buy the flowers, although they'll mate, probably appreciate you know, both. that's a very good point. Mother's Day is approaching, and, Absolutely. you know, technology is a great buy for Mother's Day. If your mother's got a Wii... Get a get her the Wii Fit. If your mother's got a uh, Nintendo DS, my mother-in-law had a Nintendo DS or DSi, and and she had the brain training thing on it. Fantastic, Some great stuff. products for women. The, look at all the tablets that are out now: digital cameras, uh, digital radios. There's if, so many choices. Speaking of radio, a beautiful segue, Steve. If your mother. Uh, and we're talking Mother's Day, but just generally, if you're dad too, or you, uh, enjoy your music and you have a decent music library. Steve, I took delivery of one of the nicest uh, products I've reviewed in some time, the Sonos uh, home sound system. Now, I think you might have got one as well. I'm we're talking it as well. Yeah, I'm, I'm really enjoying it. It's um, what I got was uh, two large speaker systems, so a Sonos S5. They're worth six hundred bucks each, and they're they're a large kind of um, unit you'd sit on a mantle or on yeah. a on a. Well, it's on like a, a large iPod dock. It reminds me of the Bose the, the Bose yes. sound dock, you know, for the iPod. Very big unit, um, very simplistic. Just plug it into the wall, um, and then also a little um, a little zone bridge, which is a thing you plug into your router. And look, I don't want to go into detail, and, and we don't need to. You, your review will cover that, I'm sure. But um, essentially, you, you install the software on your computer, and it then connects to either internet, radio, or streaming services, but also to your home library. Now, I connected this at my father-in-law's house, and he's got 30,000 songs in his iTunes library. <laughs> and it took an hour. Music, eh? Oh, yeah. He's, he's done the whole ripping of his LPs and everything. Um, it took an hour for it to index that library, but when it had happened... We then were able to sync up these two speakers. So we put one in the lounge room and one in the kind of dining room area. And from the computer, I was able to say, play this playlist on that speaker in the lounge room and at the same time stream an internet radio station to the other speaker in a different room, all from the touch of the computer. But then I grabbed the iPad and I installed the Sonos app on the iPad and walking around the house, I could control the volume, the input, the music, the tracks, the radio station... Everything. That's brilliant. You know what? That's a really good example of sort of utilizing your home network, connecting it to your digital content. Yep. Now, what, everyone's got digital music in their house. Like, I've got all my, all of my music is on my computer. I gave all of my CDs away to charity. My original CDs, I ripped them into my computer and they're backed up on my hard drive and I gave them all to the Salvation Army to sell for charity. Geez, so, you've, uh, you've bypassed all the ephemeral copyright laws, <laughs> but let's not go into that right now. Um, <laughs> it's, that's the subject true. of another podcast, yes. but anyway, my point is that my, my, my library might not be as big as your, your, your father-in-law's or your dad's, was it? Mm, but no, father-in-law's, yeah. Your father-in-law's, but I've got a significant music library too, yeah. and I think what a great way to access it from anywhere in the house. You put a couple of these systems around the place, control it from your iPhone, even there's an Android app too, your iPad, 
And uh, I think it's a terrific, terrific oh, device. I, I always thought it was going to be nice because they're really nice quality speakers. I just didn't realise that you could play different content in different rooms. And that, quite frankly, is what families need because, you know, you don't always want to listen to the same thing together. Well, now we're uh, moving right along of been reviewing a device that we use in the car. Now, as you know, Trevor, it's illegal to use your mobile phone, to hold your mobile phone and talk into the uh, handset while you drive. interesting to know how many people got booked over the long weekend, double demerits well, in New South Wales, because that was just stupid if you were doing it, but it's absolutely. still happening everywhere, isn't it? It is, and but I think one thing that, that uh, a product like this, the Motorola TZ700, uh, mm-hmm. is that it can keep you connected to your phone while you're on the road. Now, right. the, we, we've everyone sort of has to, we're all getting calls, we're getting text messages, but we put our hand on that phone and we risk a fine and points off our license, not to mention our own safety, but... So I've how's this the, different to I've got a, I've got I've had heaps of different ones from different companies. How's this different to any other hands-free speakerphone? Well, I think the uh, the standout feature of this is that we they, we know that all these speakerphones can make and receive calls. Now this device can do that. It's got noise cancelling technology to make the calls come through loud and clear. Uh, you can you can pair two devices to it simultaneously. But what I really liked about this was the text to speech function, mm-hmm. which actually reads out your text messages when they come in. Right. So, so do you need a do you, when you uh, when a text message comes in, does it have voice control so you tell it to read the message, or you just yes, it does. It says text message from Trevor Long, and then would you like to hear it? Yes, and it wow. reads it out. And then, but the the greatest thing, if that wasn't impressive enough, you can even dictate your reply. And and this is all the all the while your hands are still on the wheel, your eyes are still on the road. You can dictate the message. Now, what you do need though, you need to download the Moto Speak app which is for Android 2.2 devices and above, mm-hmm. and for BlackBerry handsets running system oh, right. 4.5 and above. So you need yes. these apps on the devices that it's paired to, and it enables that uh, the di- to dictate your reply, and you can send it off. So you, you can hear your message, reply to the message, and send it, all without taking your eyes off the road or your hands off the wheel. And you know what's really interesting about what you just said? You mentioned Android and BlackBerry. You didn't mention iPhone. This is very rare right. to hear those two become before the iPhone. Absolutely. I think, though, it's, it's only a matter of time, though, before, obviously, Motorola make Android phones as well, so it was a, it was a no-brainer they were going to favour the Android system. BlackBerry users, they know there's a lot of them out there. Business I think there'll be an iPhone too. version of this down the track. Who's to say when? But uh, I, I think this, this it, it was a standout for me because of that function, the, mm. the TZ700. It's priced at only $129 too. So I think it's uh, if someone's looking for a way to stay in touch with their calls while they're on the road, this is a good product to use. Two Blokes Talking Tech. You're listening to Two Blokes Talking Tech with Trevor Long and Stephen Fennick. It's all thanks to our good mates at Netgear, uh, the team at Netgear, netgear.com.au. No matter what sort of networking you're looking for, whether it's in your home, uh, just connecting a couple of devices, whether it's uh, an old, you've got an old modem at home, upgrade it, get a new one, you'll get better speeds for ADSL2. A lot of people got ADSL2, they don't have an ADSL2 modem. You've got to have these things, you've got to upgrade your network. If, you, if you're doing VoIP at home, if you're streaming video, look for a dual band router, don't just have a single band router. Um, these are all the things that Netgear do, and uh, if you've got a small business, don't forget that uh, your small business can benefit from good networking solutions around the office to make sure you're getting the best speed and, and 
and the best connectivity between all your machines. But that's Netgear, netgear.com.au. Now, Steve, a really interesting phone I received this week um, is somewhat um, somewhat boring, but it has absolute um, benefits for the older generation. It's called a Doro, D-O-R-O. Have you heard anything about I have. Yeah, I've heard of the company uh, and the, the phone that you get to mention, it's a, a great idea for people. Uh, I'll let you finish explaining it, mm. but you, you just remember though, all the features built into phones. Mm. Not everyone uses all those features or needs all those features. And it's a common question I get. Where can I get just a simple phone with big buttons and a, and a big screen? Because people, it's not just because you're hard of, uh, you've got bad eyesight. It's because you just want it to be easy to use. This thing has massive um, buttons on it. It's, it's the same size as a good old mobile phone from 10 years ago, but not a big brick. It's a flip phone, opens up. It's got a big screen. Um, and, and look, that's essentially what it is. It's a, it's a very um, funky little design, green and black and white. It's $169 from TeleChoice. Um, but here's the one thing I do like, and, and I'll do a full review on this in the coming weeks, but on the back there's a button, which I thought was a Wi-Fi button, but it's not. It's an emergency call button. What happens is you go into the settings and you say enable emergency calls and then you give it a few phone numbers. So some family members, a friend, whatever it might be. And when you press that button, either once or three times, however you configure it, it sends a message which you can configure to those people via text. And then it rings them. So it rings them kind of one through ten until it gets someone. The alarm keeps beeping until it rings someone. So this is fantastic for people who may need assistance um, and be unable to to make a phone call or, um, or, or dial a number. Because I think I can remember. Do you remember back in the day they used to give seniors the the thing to hang around their neck? They're like their panic button, where if they get and into they a bit of trouble, do. they can they can press this button and, and it'll make a call through to emergency. So this this is a similar system that's enabled on the phone. Is that's it? right, and you you don't need to go to that extreme now. You could you could enable this so it rings your security company. You could enable it so it just rings your son or your daughter. But just in terms of simple, easy to use mobile phones, this is a real winner. And, and you know it's an outright thing. Doro are a big company overseas. They make a lot of things. And in fact, They're I really a Swedish company. I think that's right. Some, some great stuff comes out of over great there. Great design it? company. Um, interesting, just looking at their, their product brochure, I'm looking forward to seeing some other things. They've got some simple corded, corded phones, but what about this? A wireless object locator, which essentially is a key ring you put on a device, and you can have like four devices. And let's say you've lost your keys, you've got this little remote control, and you press a button, and it, and it makes that device beep. Like, just so <laughs> simple. How many times have is you lost like your keys? Is it like the one you used to whistle? I guess it's a little more advanced than that, mate. But anyway, Doro, D-O-R-O, check it out. Um, It's the PhoneEasy 410. uh, It's just a standard digital uh, mobile phone um, available through Telechoice. Two Blokes Talking Tech. You're listening to Two Blokes Talking Tech. With Trevor Long and Stephen Fennig. Now, uh, we've got a, uh, a bit more of a positive story from uh, Sony at the moment here. Trevor, now, uh, as we know, the PlayStation Network's really giving Sony a few headaches, but it's, it's, it's ironic that they chose yesterday, right in the midst of the PlayStation yeah. Network uh, catastrophe, we call it, uh, to announce their new uh, tablet mm. computers. Now, they're, they're a little bit late to the party. The iPad has already been out a year, but Sony were, were one of the last companies to announce their devices, though they gave a bit of a, uh, a, bit of a preview of what to expect during the Mobile World Congress back in February, but they actually unveiled them in an event in Tokyo this week, and they've come up with the S1, which is a 9.4-inch screen, mm-hmm. and the S2, which is an interesting one. It's a got a, it's got it's a like a clamshell device that's got two five and a half inch screens, uh, so that you can fold it up and fit it in your pocket 
little bit very like a DS, interesting but, uh, design. Um, but I guess you've got to do something different when you're, when you're jumping into a market late. But, you know, I think the, the DS comparison is a good one. But, but, you know, a foldable tablet, I don't know. It's, uh, it's going to be really interesting to play with because a tablet's uh, normally one big screen. So when it folds out, you're meant to just pretend it's one screen and, you know, well, watch can, Angry Birds. It can happen. actually arrange things. I've seen images of it where the one screen represents, can be, can be made to seem as if it's one screen. So the image is connected rather yep. than you having a bigger screen with the 10-inch 10, 10 device. The little device, the foldable device, can, can facilitate the same thing. I, um, I mean, when we met with Sony about the, uh, the Sony Xperia Play, they, they made a very bold statement we talked about a few weeks ago that said they wanted to be number one in Android. And I think they were talking about mobile phones, but I think this is just general now. What they want to be is, I think they even said today, or maybe it was just a, an interpretation, that they basically want to be number two to iPad here. Um, I yeah. think I think that would be a wise goal. Let's not try and beat the iPad just yet. Let's let's improve the tablet market. Let's there's a, let's, there's a hell of a lot of companies aiming to be number two, Trevor, if in the in the tablet market. It's know, going to be very crowded up there. Samsung but, are doing their best. Uh, Motorola and 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 Sony. It's, it's good names though. I mean, Soon it's all to be well joined and good. by HTC as well. They're they're going to have a tablet in the market also. So and you're going to see LG, Panasonic enter later this year as well. So it's going to be a bit of a challenge there to work out. There's got to be a point of difference. I think all these Android devices, they need to have something to differentiate themselves. I think Sony have got it maybe with the S2, the foldable tablet. Yep. But the S1, what I quite liked about it was its its emphasis on design. Now, it has like a little bit of a tapered edge, which has been described as a, magaz- a folded over magazine. You know, when you fold open a yep. magazine and tuck it under itself, it's got that curved look as if it's a, a magazine that's been opened. So that can act as both a little uh, a stand for typing and just for it to feel... A little bit nicer in your hand, but uh, I'll, I'll repeat what I said. I think these, the Android tablet manufacturers, really need to come up with a point of difference for them to stand out from the crowd to get that elusive number two position. And I think the most important thing about the Android market is the marketplace. You need to make yes. sure that not only it's. I'm sick of hearing about the number of apps. It's not about the number of apps. It's about the quality of the app experience. It's about finding apps and it's about using apps. I think that I think they're making massive headroads there. Um, but there's a long way to go. But you know, think this time next year, this is going to be a really exciting place. Um, the, the tablet space, and uh, you just mentioned a stack of competitors there. And um, we can look forward to all of that in the next twelve months. Now, while we're talking tablets, mate, we've had the uh, you've had the the Easter long weekend to to ponder nothing other than your outage of PlayStation. <laughs> but I, I went away for a couple of days, visited my brother in Young, and uh, took the iPad. Amanda took the iPad too, of course, because I'm not allowed to touch it. Um, <laughs> and and it just made me think. You know, I'm not I'm not here to talk about the best app today. I just wanted to talk about some of my favourite apps on the iPad because I think it gives oh, yeah. gives an idea of, gives an idea of the experience that people are having with it. And I'm not talking um, use general apps. I mean email and typing, all that stuff's great. But here's a couple of things that I've used it for a lot over the last few days. Um, Real Racing 2 came out this time last week. What a shock, Trevor. A racing game that you oh, like. What mate, a shock. <laughs> but here's the thing. This is where they've blown the market away. With this HDMI output on the iPad 2, because Amanda was asleep, I went and grabbed it and updated it, um, plug the HDMI <laughs> into the big screen TV. And not only do you... In, you can duplicate the screen so you can see the icons on the big screen and all that sort of stuff, but with Real Racing 2, when you're controlling the car, you glance down at the iPad and it's not... 
you can't see the car driving there. It's like a dashboard. So you can see the map of the track and where you are. You can see your speed and your position, all those different things. So what they've done is they're, I think, one of the first apps, if not the first, to actually use a dual screen approach to a game. So they're actually outputting a different picture to the big screen in high definition too. Great quality picture. So the iPad becomes your steering wheel. Is that what happens? That's right. The iPad's the steering wheel with no game picture on it. It's just, it's a dashboard essentially. So just glance down at it. A really great use of the iPad 2 HDMI out. Now, the other two great games I've been playing are from EA Sports, EA Mobile, which have done some amazing uh, apps for the iPad. First one's Tiger Woods Golf 12. It's just really nice graphics, really easy to play, and, and it's a great fun game to, to, to play pass around, you know, several players at a time. Yeah. The other one, and, and this will this will bring back memories from some people, you might remember the board game Risk. One of those yes. games where you take over the world, you know, world domination from, from <laughs> conquering continents. This thing on the iPad, I've played before. I enjoyed it. I kind of won it and, you know, didn't need to play it anymore. But when we were at my brother's, he, he mentioned, hang on, is this that oh, board game? And I said, yeah, yeah. So we did a local network play where I had one iPad, he had the other. And we sat there and this is just, it's such a great experience to play. Um, you know, you're attacking your, your, the other players. You can cooperative together to, it was just a really good experience to, to see how this is the future of, of games because board games used to be the way and now you could sit there with a couple of people with iPads or iPhones and really have a good yeah. gaming experience together. Actually, board games have, have, a lot of board games have been brought over to the iPad and the iPhone like Scrabble, I think you can play Monopoly. Scrabble with tiles, I've got Monopoly. There's several, there's several there, well, obviously there, there's other traditional games like Mahjong which make use of the touch screen but I've got a few favourites myself and then all will go, obviously I'm, I'm an Angry Birds addict, I'm an Angry oh, Birds yeah. HD addict as, yep. you, as you are as well and your got Angry Birds Rio. too. But uh, I quite like like the um, the fitness app on the uh, on the i on the iPhone, especially the Nike Plus GPS yeah, right. app, which like I like to get out for a run every couple of days. And I, I like I, I'd love to, Steve. I'd love to. I'm just very very busy. <laughs> well, when I get out there, well, I love firing this app up because not only does it it tell you that where you've run. It actually maps the run afterwards, but also along the way. Because it's using GPS, it can measure your speed. It tells you your average pace. What's your average speed on a run, mate? Oh, I try to do five-minute kilometres on my run. I'm I'm, I'm getting a little bit better, but that's, that's... Going pretty good for a bloke for my size. That's that's not too bad. But I really enjoy the fact that you can once you finish your run, you see the map, you can see exactly how you're going. You can even see your pace at different points of the run. Mm. So if you're in training for a triathlon or a half marathon or whatever, this is a very handy tool for you to sort of gauge how you well you're going. And then when you connect it to the computer, you can upload that information and then compare it to your other runs you've done in the past. You can even challenge your friends. Say you and I want to run a certain number of kilometres the first person around 100 k's in a month or whatever we want to do there's all those kinds of challenges i think i might might win that race against you there trevor but there uh there's a lot of people that are challenging each other online it's just it's just another way to encourage for me anyway it it just it it gives me encourages me to get out on the road and try to beat my time and just makes exercise it more enjoyable right our last question before we wrap it up you've you've had no playstation network the the wife and kids are in bed you don't want to go out for a run Pull out the iPad. What game do you first go to to have a quick muck around and really just create that downtime in your head? 
Well, it's, I'll, I'll give you, a, I'll give you two answers. I'll give you a game answer, but mm-hmm. I'll also give you another answer. I'll, I'm, I'm working through every possible version of Angry Birds at the moment. I'm talking Angry Birds Seasons, Angry yeah. Birds <laughs> Rio, the original Angry Birds HD and on the iPhone. Yep. But another app that I quite like on the iPad, which I think has been built for the iPad, is perfect for the iPad, is ABC's iView. Oh, so yes. So you can catch up with shows. I, I watched Paper Giants. Oh, brilliant. The recent show about was the, uh, for the creation of the Clio magazine and Ita Patros's career and Kerry Packer. I missed the second episode. Reason I missed the second episode because I was at the ANZ Stadium watching South lose to the St George Dragons. You don't need to say <laughs> when, when you say you were watching South. You don't actually need to say you watched them lose because that's implied. Well, anyway, beside that, <laughs> Trevor, I came home. I fired up ABC iView, and there was Paper Giants episode two that yeah. I was able to enjoy. At my leisure, so I, I really enjoy that that uh, that catch up uh, component of the ABC iView. Uh, I think the iPad is a perfect size device to take anywhere on your network, sit on the lounge comfortably, wherever you want, and that uh, that does, did it for me. I really enjoyed that one. I agree. I think that's really good advice. And and look, I'd welcome anyone yeah, listening. Tell us what your favourite apps are on your Android phone, your BlackBerry, whatever it is. Yeah, go to uh, twoblokestalkingtech.com. Send us an email. Let us know. This has been episode 10. I'm Trevor Long, yourtechlife.com, and uh, Stephen Fennick from techguide.com.au. Check out the website throughout the next week, and we'll talk again next week, mate. Thank you. Yes, looking forward to it already. Talking tech. You're listening to Two Blokes Talking Tech with Trevor Long and Stephen Fennick.